Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Match Ball. Welcome to the show that's brought to you with Levi Solicitors. 10% off your legal fees, levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. My name's Dan Moylan. Hello. Michael's here as well. Hello. So is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Nil nil then. What'd you make of that one then, chaps? It was quite entertaining in its own way, wasn't it? There was a bit of an attritional battle going on there. If you like watching a free kick every every minute and a half, yes, it was uh, It was a great game to watch. Yeah, he was frustrating, wasn't he? Um, what's his name? Paulson. 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 Craig Parson, yeah. We will remember him from sending Berardi down the tubble, tunnel. Down the tubble? Yes. He did something to him. Stroked his stubble against uh, Derby in the playoffs. Uh, it, it made it a difficult watch because it wasn't that physical a game, was it? There was a little bit of needle about it, which is what you want to see. But to blow up for some of the stuff he was blowing up for, just it's just draining. There was a lot of, of quite hopeful falling to the ground, I thought, from, from my new players, where they just, they'd kind of been tackled and they thought, well... I might as well go down, just to do it as a matter of course, and sometimes the referee will give it. And he just felt like he fell for it every single time. But the, a lot the, of them were free kicks, don't get me wrong, but then it felt like there was at least probably seven or eight that he just went, oh, yeah, fine, just have it. We've said it before, haven't we, where the ref, based on what is a best guess, it was probably a foul because Daniel James has gone down squealing and holding his shin again, he's jumped in the air, might as well be a foul. Yeah, I mean, as a whole, I found it engaging because I was stressed by it. There weren't really any chances, were there? Not not any great ones in the game. I'm but, trying to think of... But is that, is that to our testament, Moscow, that we've come a long way? Well, yeah, it's better than letting them score six, um, getting the score down to a, to a sensible... Nil-nil is much more in keeping with the, the Premier League that everybody has fallen in love with over the last 30 <laughs> years. That's what we want. None, none of you 6-2 nonsense. I don't think I've ever been more glad for a nil-nil, though, because it was like you, I was finding that stressful, just because... Time ticked on, I thought, well, is this where they get their penalty or is this where they get their late goal? Do they pinch one here? It was p- probably about a fair result was nil-nil, yeah. which is, I feel like you'd not, we we draw with Arsenal nil-nil this season, didn't we? But that we should have scored about five in that. And this, whereas this felt like a game of virtually no chances, it was stressful because they had the ball a lot around our box and occasionally because we were trying to play out, we would just pass it straight to them. And that was a bit stressful as well. They didn't. They didn't create much. I'm trying to think. There was the Maguire header over the bar from the in the first half from the corner, which he they didn't even 
particularly look at it because he headed it so far over it wasn't considered a chance. But I thought that was a good chance. And then there was in the second half there was the one where it was pulled back to Fernandez and he dragged it wide. They sort of they looked dangerous but without threatening us, if if that makes sense. I think um you can tell within their players they've got that capability, but I don't think we ever were fully exposed in that way that we we were so horribly at Old Trafford when you were almost watching it from between your fingers. There was when um, Bruno Fernandes and Daniel James ran through the middle, um, almost like this is how easy it was that they could have been hand in hand, just skipping through with our defence completely absent, but then we're, we're far too generous to each other with um, who was going to touch the ball. I think Ailing just came in and booted it clear. That was one where um, a good team would probably have scored against us at that point. But it, it felt like before April, you probably would have looked at our fixtures in this month and thought we were going to get a month like that, where every game would be us getting in the blocks and tackles, keeping players who are worth 10 or 20 times what our players cost. Um, yeah, worth and cost, different things, aren't they? Um, keeping them out, but the way it's been, uh, yeah, Man City became a very different sort of game after the, the red card and the, the glory. And then... Liverpool just got lost behind the Super League stuff. And then that was actually, that was the proper kind of the top four um, shenanigans. I expected us to be involved in a lot more over the last three games. So it's kind of nice to get it in before before it was over and we, we moved on to the, the losers of the league. Dare we suggest that Bielsa has learned and has made his football more sustainable um, because he put Robin Cock in there to shore up the midfield as well and Calvin played maybe a little bit further forward in there but we sat deeper in that second half um, which probably nullified them to a certain extent but did also reduce our threat. We didn't have any threat all game, did we? In all honesty. I felt like we defended, I thought all the defence was brilliant, I thought Calvin was brilliant and then the rest of them, yeah, not so much. When um, we were saying about bringing Provader on, I suggested he'd probably come on for Costa and Moscow said, when was the last time you heard Harrison's name mentioned? And I realised I'd forgotten about Harrison. So I'd forgotten to, that we could even take him off because I'd forgotten he was on the pitch. He'd been he'd been such a passenger in the second half. So it never really worked. Bamford didn't get an awful lot of service. Dallas, I mean, Dallas had that one chance from the edge of the box in the first half, didn't he, which he, he occasionally puts in. But there was, there was just not a lot going through there. That's what was expected, though, in these games. I think the City won with Dallas's two goals was kind of such a novelty and such a surprise the way that came about. And then um, Liverpool is, is such a mixed up bunch with their, their minds elsewhere. This is this was kind of like um, what you would expect from a, a promoted team against the team. I mean, the second, aren't they? They still technically could win the Premier League. So there's only them at the moment in the, the division that can touch Manchester City. So it's um, it's not unexpected that under those circumstances, a front uh, three of Bamford, um, Costa and Harrison with Robertson behind is not going to be having a very good day against uh, against that lot. Funny as Harry Maguire can be, um, and he did do his best. He gave us a, a couple of, there was that, um, it was actually Lindelof who, who passed to Bamford, wasn't it? And he, uh, he couldn't run through and score. Um, but yeah, the, we were not going to be skipping fancifully running through and enjoying ourselves. The, the, the benefit was that we weren't conceding six. And I think bringing, bringing Cock on as well was fairly sensible when you look at their subs because we, we didn't have an awful lot to, to change to be from the bench, whereas they brought on Pogba, Van der Beek and Cavani, who probably between them earn about a million pounds a week. So You do need to... It was exactly when... I don't know if it was triggered by it, but when Pogba... When per 
<laughs> when Pob came on, when Pogba, Paul Pogba came on, that was the exact moment that Cock came on. And he is the sort of player who you'd probably need to counteract somebody, you know, one of the world's greatest footballers just strolling on from the bench. <laughs> Their bench is ridiculous when you look at De Gea, got Matic on there. Uh, Van der Beek, Pogba, Cavani, Teles and Mata was their bench versus, I mean, let's look at our bench. We had um, a child in Sam Greenwood, a pensioner in Pablo Hernandez, somebody who's been flogged to death for two years nonstop, Matthias Click, uh, Berardi, who's basically got shattered knees and hasn't used them again since, Robin Cock on his way back from injury, um, Perveda, child, Somerville, child, Shackleton, child, and then a keeper. And the less said about the keeper, the better, to be honest. So, yeah, we did really well. I mean, I thought that we had the NBC commentary, it's worth saying. But the way they were phrasing it was as in, oh, Man United will be really pleased with the way they're managing to, to play against Leeds today. And I was thinking, hang on a minute, shouldn't they be expecting to win this, given the, given the amount of money that they have invested in that team? I think that's where some of the deflation from our point of view comes in, that we have got very used to the idea that we should be quietly tucking these teams up to bed, just like, yeah, we'll have three points off you and that's that's not gonna be a problem. But then you do you have that reality check where you look at the you look at the bench and you look at the, the starting eleven and you you look at the referee and you look at everything and you think, yeah, actually a point is a very, very good result for Leeds United in terms of where we are in the world uh, compared to them rather than where we are in the league table couple of the sartorial choices of the Man United side we need to pick up on. First of all, um, as Simon Titchmarsh tweeted us to point out, Paul Pogba wearing gloves in late April in, uh, well, it's spring, isn't it? Leeds is about, what, 13, 14 degrees today? I will defend him, though, because they are sitting in the West Stand, and as we will know from Elland Road, it doesn't get any sun, even on the, I remember the first, I mean, where the bell's on the other side of the room, so I can say this. First time ever... Not even said it yet. Not even said it. The first time I viewed a match from the press area underneath the roof of the West Stand... Do it. ...was the... Um, it's the gantry gone. ...pre-season friendly against Las Palmas. And it was absolutely beautiful, baking hot day in July. I was freezing up there, shivering. Um, so I have some sympathy for, for Pogba thinking he needs... A, he, he had at least two warm-up tops on over his shirt... Which is something I noticed about. Um, I'm not sure if it's still that quick, but um, our substitutes under Bielsa have always been much quicker at getting dressed than opposing players. It's driven me mad for years, and it's one. Of, and I, I try to keep it quiet because it makes me sound like I'm 60, wishing that they were putting on their hobnail boots. But when a, a substitute is told to come on, and that's the point where they go, "Oh right, well I better go and unpack my socks, and I better start tying my shoelaces up, and all," and they. Not only do he's they, left his shin pads in the car. Yeah, but not only do they have to take their um, their training tops off, but the shirt that they should be wearing underneath is somewhat like it's next to them, and so they have to put that on. And you're waiting five minutes for them to get ready to come on. Um, our players under Bielsa have generally been, "You are coming on," and I'm, I'm I've seen him shouting at players to to get changed faster. So they're generally just like uh, drill top off. Tracky bottoms off on the pitch. Move, move. Imagine not even being able to get dressed without being able to shouting at you. <laughs> well, as we heard from Pat Bamford on um, the officious podcast that he can't even be sick in his own mouth without Bamford shouting at him. Can I just, he was going to go over to the side of the pitch to, uh, to spit it out. Or get, he, that's who he wanted. I'm sure he spat it out, but yeah, just, he just wanted, wanted to uh, wash his mouth He wanted to drink a water, but he'd, um, 
after being sick because he'd run from one end of the pitch to the other and then back again. Um, yes, no break whatsoever. So if you if you imagine that uh, he's going to wait around while you get your, your mittens on, it's not going to happen. And the other thing that signified that it's maybe a, either an early or a late season fixture, Dean Henderson wearing a baseball cap for Man United in the nets. Not often you see keepers with a baseball cap on. Always makes them look like they're trying to get down with the kids, that sort of thing, doesn't it? Memories of Felix Viedbal turning up at Barnsley without one. At least uh, he'd, he'd struggle without fans. Who would be there to bail out Felix Viedbal if he was at Oakwell without his uh, his trade his uh, his trendy Radio One DJ cap on? <laughs> you were thinking trademark. Were you thinking trademark? I don't know what I was thinking. Um, another thing that was nice, um, Rads and Otto were pictured wearing white roses in the stands. A little bit weird, that, I thought. You did? Uh, you know we're in Yorkshire, a, don't you? I had a slight wedding vibe about it, though. I just wasn't sure about that. Who knows? The, you might be been to a wedding. It, you know, it's a nice day for it. Maybe so. Yeah, I mean, you, I think, I'm pretty sure we could hear Victor Otto shouting again on the, the footage. At some of, I think he wasn't happy with the refereeing performance, was he? But, but there was a point in that second half where... I'm fairly sure one of the late free kicks was given to Man United because their bench asked for it, which I'm not sure that's codified within the rules, is it? No, I mean, it was completely biased all day. It just became frustrating and um, almost boring, but almost a symptom of... um, It's another thing that Bielsa sort of won't let us do. And what we have to do on a day like this when they've had, what was it, 50 free kicks and we've had two... Is um, 21 and 10, the actual numbers. Well, let's scurry up to that moral high grounds because, uh, and show and say that's why we didn't sign Daniel James because he's a little diving, cheating rat. I, I've done the f- numbers on it, roughly speaking, anyway. They had 21 free kicks. The, the ball was in play normally for about an hour, isn't it, in a game? They had 57% possession. So it means they had roughly one a free kick every minute 40 that they had the ball. That's a lot, isn't it? It is a lot. There Fuck is- them. There is a consequence of our style of play, I think, that factors into that because whenever they have the ball, they get four lead shirts around them kind of nipping at their ankles. And so if they feel a touch, they just go down. And some of them were kind of free kicks where you can see it like, oh, yeah, that's kind of a bit of concept. But other ones have kind of ailing flopped and bought it. But with our style of play is when our players have the ball, they also always have four lead shirts around them. So if they start getting nipped at and getting their ankles tapped, one of our players will just nip in and take the ball and try to keep the, the move going. So you've always got one team that is looking to get something from the referee. So they go down and give those screams and look at him and go, I'll cry if I don't get a free kick. And then you've got us who are getting kicked just as much, but there's always a player there going like, no, we can score from here. And it's like, well, we are, we're next to our own left corner flag. No, no, let's, I can see a ball. So it's, there's two different styles of play and ours is obviously superior and um, we should have the three points. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let's talk about those subs then and the way that they did change the game. And um, Perveda showing some more sparks, I would say. He looked interesting when he came on. Some nice close control. He's certainly got that in his locker. Nice hair as well. The hair is a... Is a- I hope that doesn't change next season once it's easier to get a haircut because I quite like the way he's looking at the moment. We, we did, we've not actually touched on the fact that he had to come on because in a game where there were so many soft free kicks given, when Costa was picked up and body slammed, the referee didn't even give a free kick for that. And Classic he, uh, suplex, wasn't it? Yeah, his pelvis shattered and the ref went, oh, it's absolutely fine. But it meant Pervader came on. Um, oh no, Pervader came on for, sorry, I'm mixing, mixing this up, aren't I? Yeah, it was Click came on. Pervader was already on for Harrison and then we had to bring on Click so at least one of the substitutions was enforced because yeah the uh, and the only um, price that was paid for um, Helder Costa being slammed against the the grass like a a toddler throwing a a rag doll against the wall was um, Patrick Bamford getting a yellow card um, although admittedly I mean he was t- t- fucking stupid. <laughs> of course, nobody's going to kick yeah. the ball out when the player's off the pitch. You fool! And with that referee as well, booting it like that towards the cop end, many many yards away, is always going to yes. result in that. But it's it? hard to think when you've got a mouthful of vomit. So you've got to have some sympathy for his uh, his situation. He was angry today. Was Bamford, wasn't he? I think he was. He was very frustrated then. And then there was the other one where he had a really nice touch to get beyond Lindelof, and I think that that ended up in a free kick to Lindelof as well when he he kind of went around the other side of him. And I think he was just. He didn't have anything to work with, did he? If you think about it, he's going to be a little bit frustrated recently because last two games have come up against two of the best sides in the division in Man United and Liverpool. And prior to that, he's at Man City and got yanked off, didn't he, before half-time. So he's not really had a lot of uh, stuff going his way recently. No, it's just it wasn't the game for him today. But I don't think I don't think anyone else would have necessarily done any better than him. We just, we just didn't have the ball very much. And Cock coming in to uh, sit in the middle of, uh, of midfield. That does show an evolution in the thinking, doesn't it? Just to protect what we've got that little bit more rather than gung-ho and shipping six goals. And having some more defensive players available as well because Cock and Llorente have not been both available at the same time for the majority of the season, have they? So, And I thought the defence was great. I thought Stroke and, um, and Llorente were both... Who's <laughs> <laughs> that? The other one I've just said his name. One. Yeah, they were both brilliant, I thought, today. And it, Spanish Liam Cooper, that's who you're trying to think that's, of. That's the one. Yeah, it was good. He's entertaining as well. There's just those occasional moments where... Um, and where we sit in the studio I'm just over on the side closer to Michael at the minute and we'll just occasionally just turn around and glance at each other when Urente's got a man closing him down and closing him down and he's like please get rid of it and then he'll do a bloody Cruyff turn or something I thought Luke Ayling was great as well mm-hmm. um, some superb tackles was one where it was um, Daniel James I think that he just took the ball off and then Alioski 
I still don't quite know how he stopped Daniel James from scoring. That was their other big chance when the ball landed with that disgraced the name Daniel around the penalty spot and um, he was just about to shoot and Alioski just went in and just took the ball, like dribbled the ball away from his feet and was like... I think think he didn't score because he's shit and we dodged a bullet there. Give the credit to Jani. (laughs) Yeah, but he is... um, it's funny, he seems to have hit something of a glass ceiling at Man United, does Daniel James. And you do wonder how, if he'd been under the stewardship of a proper coach like Marcelo Bielsa, how much better he might be right now. He'd probably not be cheating as much as he is and he'd know who to pass it to and what to do rather than being shit in attack. If anyone can be asked, because I can't, to go back and watch that and see how, how often Daniel James loses the ball and remains on his feet, I would be amazed. He always, always falls over if he gets tackled. Just going back to Ailing, actually, I very much enjoyed his booking. Um, and the little pop that he had at the linesman uh, in saying, you know, what's that thing in your hand? Bloody use it because they wanted an offside, didn't they? And they run up to that. And I don't think we got to see it again, did we? But we'll assume it's offside then, shall we? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so he shouldn't have been booked if their player's offside, which is one of those weird things about them waiting for VAR to um, to decide if it's offside or not. You know, they, they need to bring it in for that, not only if the, the goal has scored. And then we have VAR, Mike Dean on duty, deciding it's it's not a handball if it, hits your arm in the penalty area, which is, um, I think, under the uh, the storm of free kicks that followed, that one kind of has gone under the radar at the time. It was kind of like, well, maybe. I actually lean more to the idea that that should have been a penalty. Um, but then because of all the subsequent free kicks that went their way, that's that makes it feel more like, well, if you're given free kicks for all that stuff, yeah. surely somebody, you know, it's not the world's most outrageous handball but the way he stopped the ball from getting beyond him was leaning towards it and playing it off his arm so give us a penalty you cheats (laughs) yeah at first viewing I thought that's not a penalty or at least you don't want to see them no let me rephrase it I wanted us to have it given because it's us against them but you don't want to see them given in the sort of general sense because it's it's not really that handball is it but as you say in the context of that specific game if he'd leaned over and played it with his chest, fine. But because he leaned over and played it with his arm rather than... It's like, well, it's not arm ball. Yeah, fair point. I mean, but again, this... It's not chest ball either, but, you know... I mean, this, this is where in the in the conceptual sense... They're allowed to head it. VAR's a good idea. It's called head ball. This is why in the conceptual sense, VAR's a good idea because you've got the referee on the pitch giving it a first look, then the referee on the video can have a second look at it and still decide it's not a penalty because it's Man United. They um they tell me there was a fire alarm at Stockley Park. Interesting. Is this true? I wonder why that was. I don't know. I was you know I, I know nothing about it other than what um, Michael told me when he was uh, speaking earlier with the, the strange stench of paraffin around him. We were all together when the fire began. Were we? Let's all stick with that story. How do you know what time the fire began? How do you know there was a fire? I said fire alarm. Yeah. What? Uh, I I didn't think it was a penalty. No. Not really. But then after free kicks that came after oh, yeah. weren't free kicks, so why not just give us that then? If Half we... the penalties given are not penalties. Yeah, so why can't we have one? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Fuck it, we should have had it. Hey, just <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, just going back to uh, the defensive side of things, I thought Melier had a really good game today. You know, in a kind of, uh, you know, no massive saves apart from there was that the tip, o- tip over from the free kick, yeah, just before half time. Which Graham Lasso on NBC was all like, oh, yeah, I think he should have saved that one. He you did. fucking save it then. Yeah, he did go save on, it. You go in goal and try. Oh, he- touch of the Hinchcliffe. They should have caught it and done a fucking somersault with it. It was a very good save from a, a very good free kick. Yeah. So two good things happened. Um, but 
a good thing happened. The best thing that happened was to Leeds. What about that, um, you know, when Maguire did a foul? Was this the one where he got booked? It's just before we brought, uh, brought Pervader on, I think, around that time. And he did a foul on, I think it might have been Bamford or whoever it was, and it stifled our attack, mistimed. I thought that should have been a red, given uh, what Liam Cooper got sent off for. You don't even remember what happened. It was on Roberts. That was it. Yeah, actually. Oh, that one. Yeah. He he just slightly mistimed it, but he clattered Roberts on the leg and he could have finished his career. Therefore, he should have been sent off and banned for three matches for serious foul play. Where's the bin? Oh, I'm going to be sick. Worst tackle I've ever seen. Well, it was no worse than um, Fernandinho on Rafinha. I mean, it can't have been worse because that has put Rafinha out for two games, which I think is another... um, factor today when you look at what we had going forward we didn't have 30 million pounds worth of Rodrigo and we didn't have the uh, 200 million pounds that we ought to have paid for Rafinha that were on there probably they're still pulling out their pockets (laughs) we do not have the money (laughs) Maguire said in the post-match that he felt that they had control of the game but without making too many chances do you agree with that they probably did I suppose well they had more of the ball they had more territory but didn't do out with it. We just defended well. Yeah, I mean, you saw the uh, the closing stages just became um, us trying to catch them on the break when we could, but mostly it was blocking everything and um, not always clearing as efficiently as you might have preferred. But yeah, they weren't getting through. And that's what I was meaning before when I would expected the games against City and Liverpool to be more like this. The City one was, but it's kind of a, in a different category because we were down to 10. Um, but it was, yeah, that's that's how a promoted team stops a, a championship title challenging team. Although super league a, team, a super league team. If that's a challenge to Manchester City, then it's <laughs> pathetic, isn't it? Well, interesting comments from Bielsa in the post-match saying, and this kind of reflects what we've been saying, um, enormous effort from his players to ensure that the game was not unbalanced, which is one of the things that um, he kind of touches on frequently, isn't he, about players and, and games being unbalanced. And uh, he's praised Pascal Strauch uh, and uh, Phillips for showing aggression without violence, which I really, really like. I think there should have been some more violence, to be fair. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded the odd one on. Um, someone properly leaving one on Fernandez would have been quite satisfying, but he, we didn't We didn't actually hurt anyone today, did we? I don't think. I think the nearest we came was Luke Ayling slipping and accidentally kicking Rashford a bit. But... Worth it, to be honest, wasn't it? Uh, there was nothing that you would need to be extradited to Greece about, was there? No, nothing, nothing like that. And... Um, He's paid testament to his players saying they're learning how to play better and not uh, concede unnecessary errors and showing more maturity. It does. It reflects the progress over the season. Again, stuff we've said in recent weeks about the performances against Liverpool and Man City. We've uh, we've been a lot more measured and a lot more assured, I think, even if we do perhaps lack a little bit of quality sometimes. The way the team administers the game is improving along with the capacity to go up against these good players. And that's the last uh, good players we're facing this year as well because we've only got to play Brighton, Spurs, Burnley, Southampton and West Brom now. Load of shit. Well, I mean, <laughs> we've come through this unbeaten, haven't we? And when did, this is six games now unbeaten? Yeah. Who is going to beat us between now and the end of the season? None of them. Probably Brighton. I was going to be 3-0 Brighton all over it, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, it, this was a little patch of games that at the start of the season, I, I looked at and thought, oh, if, we've, if we're on like 30 points there, that's going to feel quite Ter- tense. Terrifying, yeah. As it is, we were safe before, safer now, not lost. But even then, with the um, with the safety that we had before we played Manchester City, if we'd lost all three of these games, you would still probably be going, "Well, okay, it kind of that that shows the 
the difference between us and the very expensive teams now let's go out and absolutely smash all these teams all over the place for the, the last few games. Come through them even more unbeaten than we were before. And who is going to stop us now? And then that momentum, take that into summer, sign some players, start next season. When do we actually lose a game? Oh, no, when no. do we next concede Moscow. a goal? Moscow. We've played 33 games now. Bielsa burnout. It's, it's inevitable. It's when it starts, isn't it now? That's it. We're knackered at the end of the season. Everybody knows it. He, to be fair, did look fucked at the end. <laughs> he looked like we've looked for the last 16 years. Finally, one of us, isn't he? Oh, dear me. Uh, heroes and villains, then. Let's wrap it up with that. Calvin. He was really, really good today. And in contrast with the first game when he was taken off, wasn't he? Yeah, he was off at halftime with uh, him and Click both went off. Is it, I agree with Calvin for that redemption story. Is it fair to pick one of the defenders out? I mean, they were all brilliant. (laughs) My favourite Janny bit was where the ball was up in the air and he completely lost where it was and he was just looking around all over the place. (laughs) But then, I mean, Janny cost us, what, a million from the Swiss... I don't even think, I don't even remember if it was the first division, it must have been, I think it was Lugano. Um, Harry Maguire at one point, he, when it was near the end, he let the ball bounce in their penalty area. £80 million defender is letting a ball bounce in front of him in their penalty area. It's just, it's insane. You could buy 80 Gianni Alioskis for one Harry Maguire and there's, there's, I, I there's basically I no I difference between them. I couldn't cope with that. The only difference is one of them's got silver hair. <laughs> his hair is magnificent. Yes, the whole the whole defence can can have a nomination. Oh yeah, I'd go with that because I think it was where the game was quote unquote won today. Maybe we can have this as a victory in retrospect. Villains, um, Manchester United. Mm-hmm. What have they done? Well, they exist, don't they? It's just general. I think you've got to you've got to remember that that's who they are. Ref as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was kind of including him with Manchester oh, yeah. United as yeah. all part of the. The same equation, but yeah. Given some of the free kicks given today, I'd have been interested to ask Berardi what he thought of it, because given it was Craig Parson who re- was just refusing to give him a free kick, which led to him being sent off against Derby. Yeah, that is a good point. Yeah. They, well, they basically kept, they were just kicking him and kicking him until eventually he fouled someone. There's something in that with what I was saying before about our style of playing, like the, the, where the first thought of our players is to stay on their feet. And that's what Berardi did instead of just going down. Well, perhaps he was kicked the first time. He got up and tried to get after the next one. He got kicked again. Then he got up and and, and flew two-footed through somebody's face. <laughs> if we just went down and got the free kick, it would be very different. And it's kind of, it's um, it's the price you pay for being fair. Just looking ahead to the next game, which is Brighton on Saturday afternoon. Will we hear anything that's going on there because of that social media blackout? Is it, gonna, is it like a tree that falls in the woods? Will anybody be there to hear it? I think I think the games are still going on, aren't they? Is that happening? And still? Being televised and stuff. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Social media blackout. I mean, we could relegate Brighton here, which would be funny, wouldn't it? If we could just, they're probably going to stay up anyway. But it'd be nice to just shake them up a little bit, wouldn't it? Just leave, just give Fulham that little bit of a chance, which they'll obviously blow because the shit, unfortunately. And we owe them one as well. They had no right to beat us at Ellen Road early this season, even if they were the better side. <laughs> leave Ben White gazing after Calvin Phillips as he drives away, thinking. That's where he should have been, what he should have been doing. Got sent off, didn't he, Ben White? Oh, so he might not play. Will he be I suspended? I think it was... A double yellow, wasn't it? Double so it was yellow. On, yeah, only one game. I don't know if he'd be back for this. Sent off for parking badly. Essentially, yeah. Yeah, it's not part of the... I mean, I struggle to keep up with the rules in the Premier League these days. I think it's definitely a sign of how far we've come this season that this has descended into light-hearted chit-chat rather than being really, really stressful and angry. Um 
But that's a good thing, isn't it? I think that's a good thing. I think the whole vibe of it is different as well because we've not been in the stadium. It was it was definitely a Leeds Man United game and it did feel to like one to an extent. But there was none of that stuff there. It's like when we when finally Maguire was booked, there'd have been a big when when Fernandez puts it wide, there'd have been a ah It needed thirty five thousand people threatening to uh, tear Craig Pawson limb from limb and that's why um instead it was the scum bench that got into his head and that's um that's going to be different next season. Four more weeks of the season left, then we're done. Wild, isn't it? It's been all right. Been all right so far. And it's been nice to see Scott McTominay return to being Scott McTominay today because what he did at Old Trafford was frankly not on, unacceptable. Yeah, we've fixed a lot of things and it continues to all trend in the right direction. We will reassemble and do the, the main podcast recording that on Tuesday morning. In the meantime, if you're one of our TSB Plus subscribers, check your email inbox for the feedback form and uh, give us a shout about what we've been talking about on this. Did we get it right, wrong? What do we miss? What should we have been talking about? And uh, give us your heroes and villains uh, nominations as well. Sorry that that email was late again, by the way. But hey, who doesn't like getting two emails for the price of one? Yeah, Moscow's been sent to HR. That meeting's tomorrow, which could be awkward. Right, now we'll, uh, we'll catch you in a bit. The Match Ball. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 